Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Today, I want to talk about fresh power. Fresh power. I want to talk about fresh power the kind of power that flows from heaven that delivers you from pornography. I want to talk about this fresh fire, the kind of power that comes from heaven that will release you from extramarital affairs. Certainly before you get busted. Ain't nobody saying that but two kids. I don't know if they understand what I'm saying. But, but I, I'm talking about fresh power like in the book of Acts that was so powerful that it delivered people from fornication. And I want it. I want this power that they received in the book of Acts that when they received it, they left the things of the world. And they walked with God. I want this power where there was a man who was a disciple of Jesus, but when they questioned him, he cowered out and said, I don't even know the man. But then this man, Peter, got something in the upper room that was so powerful that when they got ready to kill him like they did Jesus, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. If you're going to do it, crucify me upside down. I want that kind of power that makes me that committed to God that when sin dangles itself in front of me, it's not a matter of choice but it's a matter of power. That I can live what I preach. I want what they had in the upper room without a choir, without a band. They got something up there And we need it today. And I want it. I said I want it. I've ministered to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that he regenerates, he baptizes. You remember that? That he indwells. I talked about that the Holy Spirit, he seals us. Then I talked about that the Holy Spirit, he fills us. And I also minister to you, I believe that indwelling is a different experience than an infilling. And then I gave you an illustration. You all remember that lesson where I talked about the, 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 uh, the indwelling is where you invite Jesus in. Every Christian, every person who's born again, every person who's received Jesus Christ as their Savior, they've been indwelt by the Spirit of God. But there's also another experience. And that is the infilling. 
if you would be so gracious and kind, put up nugget number one and nugget number two, and, and then I want to share something, and, and then I will be done. Because what I've really planned, uh, because of you all singing so long. <laughs> Ready, read. That's the key to staying out of sin. is to keep on being filled with the Spirit. Nugget number two, please. You're either one or the other. And lukewarmness cannot dwell with a Spirit-filled life. They're opposing opposites. And just like we don't like anything lukewarm, God doesn't like anything lukewarm. In the book of Revelation, John getting revelation from the Spirit of God, he said to the church at Laodicea, he he said, you're neither hot. In other words, you're not all the way out there in sin just acting a fool. But you're not all the way in the things of God either. You're just lukewarm. And I charge every one of us today, please don't be more excited about a Super Bowl game than you are excited about the things of the kingdom. And I'm not talking about Chief's kingdom. I'm talking about God's kingdom. Come on, somebody, help me now. In Acts chapter 2, I know this is throwing our video department off, but, but I'm stirred in my heart because I'm tired of talking about it. I want it. Are you in Acts chapter 2? Look at this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in, in one place. Now, hold, hold that video, hold that there, because I want the church to see, because we've been so misguided by Romanization of Scripture and the colonization of Scripture and the Europeanization of Scripture and the Westernization of Scripture and the Americanization of scripture and has gotten us so off base to where we think this is a European book and this is not a European book even though somebody took the demonic liberties to put European pictures in it and had the nerve to make Jesus a European when Jesus is a Hebrew Jesus is still a Jew. And the Hebrew Israelite people are still God's chosen people. No matter who says Jews will not replace us. And so we get in trouble because when we read the scriptures, we look at it through the lens of a European mindset 
almost want to say brainwashing. And what has happened, it has, it has subliminally gotten us into idol worship. Because when we say Jesus, we see that picture. And that picture is not Jesus. Are you all listening to me? It's always dangerous when you make God look like something other than you. I'll say it again. It's always dangerous to make God look like something other than you. Because if your God doesn't look like you, then it's going to make it difficult for you to like yourself. And if the image reflects somebody that you can see, then it has the potential to subliminally make you want to be like that. Somebody said, are you, you in, I'm in, I'm still in Acts chapter two, verse number one. Because the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, when Pentecost had fully come, they were all with, come on, they were all with, that, that's a miracle in itself. They were all on, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and set upon each of them. And they were all filled. Hold on now, hold on, hold on. Because the 120 in the upper room, Jesus' mother was up there. And you can't be filled with the Spirit until you're first born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill anybody who's not born again. So it's clear to us in the upper room for them to get filled with the Spirit. They had already received Jesus as their Savior. Including Jesus' mother. Are you all listening to me? Here it is, Mary, she birthed a baby where in reality he birthed her. Are you all listening to me? Now, they're in the upper room, the 120, yet the Bible charges us to know that they were charged by God to go to the upper room and wait for the promise. These believers. So it's clear that you can be a Christian and not infilled with the Holy Ghost. Because these were believers. These were Christians, as it were. So it's clear that you can be a born-again believer, yet not infilled to the full 
of the Holy Spirit. If that be not the case, why did they need to go to the upper room? There are already believers. The apostles were in this group. There are already followers of Christ. But they needed something else to do ministry. Being saved was not enough. They needed power. And that's what we're hungering for today. I'm tired of talking about what God did in 1952 and what God did in 1969 and what God did in your mama's life and your grandmama's life. If he's the same God, then he'll work the same miracles today. The Bible says these signs shall follow the believing one. Any believers in the house? They, love, they will lay hands on the sick. They will cast out devils. They will raise the spiritually dead. Why? Because this same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if that power dwells in us today, then church is more than us coming and singing a song. Can I help you all now? Church wasn't even designed by God to come and sing songs. Church was not designed by God for you to come and shout and dance. Nothing wrong with it, but that was not God's intent. God's intent is that you would come to the house of God and get information, get an impartation, get revelation of who you are in Christ and go out and commit hell on the devil. To tear his kingdom down. To go and set the captives free. It was not God's design that we would come to church and sing and dance and shout and say amen and then go home and watch four hours of television and never open the Bible. Save 10, 15 years and can't even quote 10 scriptures. Ooh, Jesus. But it was designed by God that we would come to the house of God and get information to learn about who we are in Christ, what we can do in Christ, where we can go in Christ, and what we can have. Satan's number one enemy or Satan's number one uh, advantage against the believer is ignorance. Devil don't care nothing about you shouting, but he does care if you got the word of God in your mouth. And you get that by study. You can't be depressed if you know who you are in Christ. If you know how big God is and that he loves you, there's nothing you face in this life that can make you depressed or discouraged. Why? Because greater is he that is in you 
than any test or trial that the devil would throw your way. Let, let, me, let me read on here. I want, I, want you to, I want you to see something. I want you to see. Drop down to verse number 12. Well, I, want, I, want, I don't want to do that. I, drop down to verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation. Come on, talk to me. From, from every nation. So these people in the city were from three continents. They're from everywhere. And they were perplexed because they were, they were witnessing with their eyes and their ears that these Galileans were speaking a language from their native land. Yet they were Galileans. Help me, Holy Ghost. So the language that the people received in the upper room was not jibber-jabber. Like some folks get today. The reason you can't display any power is you receive jibber-jabber. But in the day of Pentecost, when they received the power, when it became outwardly manifested that they had been endued with power, they spoke in an unknown language to them, to the Galileans. But to the people in the community who heard them, they were speaking their language. And what got their attention is that they were speaking their language and they knew these Galileans didn't know their language. So being filled with the Holy Spirit became a witness to the unbeliever. Because how can they speak our language and they're not from us? They've never been taught. They've never been to school. But what is coming out of their mouths is our language, in our dialect. Ooh, Jesus. Which was a sign to the Galileans that they have received the power that Jesus promised them by going to the upper room. Now let's read on just for a moment. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak. Do you see that? In his own language. So it wasn't jibber jabber. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, look, look. Can you believe this? Are not all these people who speak Galileans? And now is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now, I'm going to do my best shot. What I ought to do is ask you to read it. That way you won't be able to condemn me. Uh, put, put it back up. 
because the video department, they don't even want to say it. Verse 9, ready, read. Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Pontus, and Asia. Go ahead, verse 10. Go ahead, read it out loud so your neighbor can hear you know how to pronounce it. Ready, read. Yeah, Egypt, other parts. Other parts of Libya, adjoining siren visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Verse 11, you're not through. Verse 11, read. Cretans, Arabs. We heard them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? What's, what's going on? Others mocking, saying, they are full of, what do your Bible say? A better translation would say sweet wine. Sweet wine, because sweet wine is more intoxicating. So the point being made is however they were acting to the unbeliever, the way that they were acting resembled somebody being intoxicated. In other words, there was, there was, there was excitement. There was movement. There was jubilation. Can, can you all handle this? It's clear from the text that that service was not a quiet service. That there was a lot of moving going on. There was a lot of shaking going on in that service. So much so their movement to the, to the, to the unsaved community reminded them of a person who was drunk on wine. So when is the last time, help me Holy Ghost, that you've been to a service that when it was over and you walked out in the hallway into the parking lot or went to Quick Trip or wherever you go spend your money and when you walked in, uh, they sent the security over to you. Because when you walked in, you had the demeanor like somebody who had been tasting I remember one time I was driving home. At that time, I lived off of Duncan Road in Blue Springs, and the Blue Springs police, back then they had a habit of pulling over people. But anyway, they pulled me over. I was three doors, four doors down from my house. I pulled off of Duncan Road. I pulled on the Westbrook place, and he pulled me over. And uh, I rolled my window down. Or did I get out? I got out, because you're not supposed to get out. But I got out. And he said, he said, get back in your car. I got back in my car. He said, let me see your driver's license. I said, what'd you pull me over for? And he said, you were swerving. And I realized I had just left the service. <laughs> 
I can't even tell you how many times I've been at Harvest Church. I don't know where y'all go, but I've been in service at Harvest Church, and I've gotten home, and I don't even know how I got there. I don't even remember when I made the turn. All I know is I'm getting ready to go in the house, and I can't remember the last three blocks that I came down because I was somewhere with God. When is the last time you've been to church? And the Spirit of the Lord was so strong that it filled everybody. That when the service was over, we were bumping in each other and not getting mad. I want that. All I know, and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, all I know that I have been around people who speak in tongues like they say in the book of Acts and will get out in the hallway or the parking lot and cuss you out. I mean, just in a moment's notice, from like they're in a glory cloud and the next minute mean as a snake, I don't want that. I want this. And I'm telling God, I want this. I want this. I, I don't know me how many times you got to dip me, Holy Spirit, but I want to be dipped until everything in me that's not like God is out of me. So in the book of Acts chapter 2, this ecstatic behavior, which the Holy Spirit tends to move and flow, is the opposite. Are you listening to me? This is how it got in. I don't have time to go there with you. But this is how it got in with the Europeanization of Scripture. And we're so far off base because we're not doing things God's way. We're doing things man's way. Are you all listening to me? So with the Romanization of Scripture, a, a, different, a different order was introduced. God, this is Black History Month. Ephesians 4. And I close on this. Ephesians 4. I close on this. My first closing. Look at verse number 11. And he himself he gave some to be apostles. Hold on, you religious folk. The first order of God for governmental structure was the apostles. Not the pastor. The governmental authority started with the apostle. Prophet. Some evangelists. Some pastors and teachers. 
let's, let's go on. For the equipping, so for the saints to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, they need an apostle. They need a prophet for balance. They need an evangelist, the pastor and the teacher. Well, who set these gifts and offices in the church? Jesus did. He set these offices in the church for the perfecting of the saints so that they could do the ministry, the work of the ministry. Are you, are you all listening to me? We don't do this. We set bishops that did not come from God. It came from the Romanization of Scripture. And so what the Romanization did, instead of setting apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, they set a pope. And the pope appointed bishops and priests and nuns to run the government of the church. They're getting quiet. Then when you move from Romanization, then you move into Europeanization. Where the Europeans come in and the hell that they put on the true body of Christ, only God can undo. Because when they got involved, they brought in racism. They brought in colorism. That's why today in most churches it's, it's segregated when it should be multiracial. But because of the Europeanization of Scripture, people of color were treated like they were heathens. And they made Jesus in the Bible a white man. with the gold of control. And I wish I had time on Black History Month to enlighten you colored folk about how you came and evolved in having church when initially when the church orders came from Europe that the, 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 uh, the colonizers rejected the order of church service because the order that they were going to implement would cause the slave owners to let the slaves go free. So they altered their gospel. So that the slave owner could still be the slave owner and the slave will still be the slave and justify it with scripture. And as a result of the colonization and the westernization and the Americanization of Scripture, which major emphasis was on color 
And so they treated everybody in the world of color like they were subservient to Jesus because Jesus was a white man. And Jesus was not a white man. And he wasn't a black man either. He was a Jew. And the color only became important because of the Europeans. Color is never an issue with scripture. It's always culture. So in the book of Acts, when the Bible said that they were one, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to change your culture. The Holy Spirit comes to make us one in Christ Jesus. It was the Europeans who wanted to change your culture. That's why everywhere they went to evangelize, they only, they, they, they ministered a perverted gospel, which denied other people their culture. And to follow Jesus, you had to embrace the European culture. That's why they changed your name. Let me just say this on Black History Month and I'll be done. You're the only people on the planet where your name doesn't tell you where you came from. Every other people, stand up. What is your name? Say it out loud. Now, I don't have to know him. What's your name? Just hearing his name, I know. He ain't from here. Stand up. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Who? Kabuya. Shakaya Shakaya. You want to know why I have a difficult time and you tuning into what he's saying? Because for generations you've been brainwashed to where you can't understand his verbiage. Say your name. Say your name. <laughs> you understand that? Can I tell you the truth? That's not his name. Because what he just said, his name, and I can say Phillips because my mother's maiden name was Phillips. But your name should speak something about who you are. But your name, my name is Steve Howe. My last name only speaks of my slave owner. Help is German. Do I look like a German to you? So if you don't know your name, how can you discover yourself? So when you don't know your name, you've been conditioned to think success is when you act and look like somebody else. Come on. 
And here's what makes me my righteous indignation stirred up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is that they use the Bible to make us hate ourselves. Then they gave you a picture who looked like the man who's whipping your back and tell you that he's God. And then they'll appoint hand-picked preachers like they still do today. Who preach you a perverted gospel that will make you take on the mindset that you'll get your reward when you get to heaven, but everybody else can get theirs down here. that I'm supposed to turn my cheek when you knock me upside my head. But if I hit you, it's insubordination. Do you see it? When you take this land, you said God gave it to you. So you take it from the Indians. Then you make laws where the Indian can't take it back. Because if he tries to take it back, he's breaking the law. So if you break in my house and rape my wife, it's all right because she's your property. But if I look at yours, I'm going to jail. And so I'm caught in a, a dichotomy, if you would, because I've been asking God, how do I transition our people from this poison in the name of Christianity to a place where the true, unadulterated, unfiltered word of God can transform your mind to the place where you know and believe you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. No, no. I mean, really know that. That you have the power to do and be anything because you've been created and made like God. Can somebody say amen to this truth? I close on this, Ephesians 6 and 10. Ephesians 6 and 10. So I will believe when America has changed, when they stop preaching this perverted gospel that divides the body, and start ministering the true gospel that brings the body together. And that's going to take a miracle from God because most of Bible teachers have been brainwashed through this Europeanization of Scripture, which makes them feel like they're the dominant culture. Yes, 
and they are not. And so I will know people talk about diversity. Well, let it work both ways. It's not true diversity if we got to always go to you. When are you going to come to us? Well, I would come if you stop all that hollering. Fred Price didn't holler. My great mentor, Pastor Dollar, my friend in Atlanta, and you don't come. And our white brothers and sisters are just as much a victim of this Americanized gospel as black folk. Because the Americanized gospel, it makes a group of people feel superior and another inferior. So much so, we don't trust each other and we don't even know why. You want to know what I do with every penny that come in, but if you go over to Mr. Charlie's church, you don't have nothing to say. I wonder where he got that suit and them shoes. I bought it. Whew. Worked hard for it. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not blowing off steam. I'm just simply saying we've got to get our minds renewed with the word of God and our only hope for the black man and the white man and the brown man and the yellow man and the red man and the Asian man. Our only hope is the word of God by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the only one who can make us one and get us out of this racial mess that's in the church. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can do it to wash our minds from the Romanization of Scripture, to wash our minds from the Europeanization of Scripture, to wash our minds from the Westernization of Scripture, to wash our mind from the colonialization of Scripture, and to wash our minds from the Americanization of Scripture. If uh, Brian Busby was here, or your local favorite meteorologist, and he came on the news and he said, uh, today's forecast, it's going to rain. It's a 99% chance it's going to rain and hail uh, by noon today until six o'clock. What would most of you start doing if he came over and said that? What would you start doing? Okay. The first thing you would start doing is start praying, Pastor, God had Pastor in the service before noon. <laughs> Why? Because you believe what he said and you want to prepare for it. So, so 
when he says it's going to rain today, you get up in the morning, it's going to rain before late morning or early noon, you're on your way to work, what do you do? You get an umbrella, what else you do? You, you get the, but it hasn't rained yet. He just gave you a forecast. And you start preparing yourself. Why? Because you believe the report of the meteorologist. You even start calling your friend, girl, honey, man, you need to take an umbrella today. Brian Buzzy said it's going to rain. And you believe him. But when Pastor Halp tells you, Jesus is coming. You look at me like I'm crazy. Instead of preparing yourself. Because you believe Brian Busby. Who's doing nothing but guessing the weather. And you start preparing for it. Because you believe him. Even though he has a track record. on occasions of being wrong. But the report that I give you has never been wrong. Did I ask you to turn to Ephesians 6? Did I ask you, did I tell you what verse? Verse 10? It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong of the Lord and in the power of so the word of God commands us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So for God to command us to be strong, it means that it is possible to be weak. And we're only weak because we're not availing ourselves of the Holy Spirit's ability to work in and through our lives. I got two more closings. I'm only going to use a half of a one. If the devil can keep making sure that you never find out how powerful you and the Holy Spirit are together, he can keep you acting in this world like you have no power. There have been people around me, when they've gotten around me, they said, uh, you're arrogant because of the way I talk. Because I don't talk like maybe, might, hope so. Anybody been around me for any length of time, they'll tell you, I talk like what I say? It's going to come to pass. I remember I called a Chiefs player, texting before a game. I said, you're going to get an interception today. He hadn't got one all year. And in that game, the ball went in somebody else's hand, fought out of their hand, and fought in his hands. Number 20, Justin Reed. He texts me after the game. And he says, I don't want to say what he said, bless his heart. He needs to start coming to this church. <laughs> 
haven't got one all year. One since. So I text another one last night. I said, bring me one home. They text me back. said, I'll bring it back to you, Pastor. Y'all get it? See how y'all looking at me? Boy, that old arrogant hot wind. You see, you, you respond to me that way because you fail to understand that's how Adam was in the garden before he fell. And that's the way Jesus operated in the earth. Come out of the man. Be healed. Spit on the ground and make a little mud and put it on his eye and say, go wash in the pool. The centurion who wasn't even a follower of Jesus, he said, listen, I'm a man under authority and in authority. So I recognize somebody who's got power. He said, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak a word only and they'll be healed. And Jesus turned to his disciples and stretching his hand and said, what is this? And the issue was this man understood the authority that Jesus was walking in. And some of you have been around here a long time and still don't know how I walk. If I say it, it'll come to pass. I believe that. I believe I can stand in the pulpit in the year 2020 when thousands of people are dying every day in the church and out of the church and declare over Harvest Church where Jesus is Lord, not one will die. While my pastor friends are calling me crying about losing members every other day. And I stood in this pulpit and declared not one member of Harvest Church will die from COVID-19. Some of my pastor friends and some of you thought it. How could he say such a thing? That nobody gonna die and nobody dies. We did not have one funeral. I believe this thing. All things are possible. To them that believe. For those of you who are endued with the power that is from on high, it's more than you speaking in tongues. You have the power to lay hands on the sick and cast the devil out of anybody who's got it. And our dear helper, our dear helper, 
Our dear helper, our dear helper is not an it. He is a person. And he has come to make us one. I don't know about you, but I'm so tired of the church being divided and us saying that we are okay. We're not okay. And I'm so tired of whites not coming to Harvest Church because they've been so brainwashed with this Europeanization of Scripture. Because if you can go to Overland Park, you can come to Northdown. Had an individual share with me that a person came and uh, they had a difficult time getting with our worship. Said that our, that our worship was too ecstatic, too emotional. Somebody said, what did you say? I didn't say I didn't get upset. I understood that my wife's sister, her problem was is that she's been brainwashed with the Europeanization of Scripture. And so she thinks a lot of noise is not Bible. It's because she hasn't, she hasn't read the book of Acts in its original context. The truth be told, how the predominantly African-American church, have church, resembles more the book of Acts than the European church which is more sedate, more laid back, quiet, non-emotional. It's just a good talk. I'm not talking, I'm preaching. But that became the dominant position because of the Europeanization and the control that they had over Christendom. So they were the ones who would announce what was right in the church and what was wrong. And what was right was whatever way they did it. And what was wrong was any way the colored folk did it. Are you all listening to me? And so we've all been infected in America with this Americanized Christianity. And it makes me mad sometimes because this fallacy has opened the door for, for the nation of Islam to apprehend a lot of our black men. Because this Americanization, this Westernization of scripture has given them the leniency to say that this book and this Bible is a white man's Bible. And by and large, there's very few or little white folk in the Bible at all. Read what you just read. Did you see those names? Did you see them? Those are not Europeans. 
Those are Syrians. Syria. Those are Israelites. Jordanians. Egyptians. Ethiopians. That's where they hid Jesus. When the decree went out to kill all of the children, two years old and younger, the, the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and take Mary and your son, Jesus, take them to Egypt and hide. That's like I'm needing to hide from the police and you all take me to Johnson County. Pastor, we want you to hide. We want you to hide in Olathe. I'm going to jail. Why? There's not enough of us out there for me to hide. Come on. Do you see what I said about the westernization and Americanization of Scripture? It makes you, it makes you, it, 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 it makes you numb. And make you think that you're offending God if you think. Why would Joseph take Jesus and his wife to Egypt to hide Jesus unless he could blend in? Notice the angel didn't tell him to take him to Belgium. Then tell him to take him to London. But you've been conditioned not to think. Because you don't want the thought that perhaps he looks more like you than he does not looking like you. And so when you think you're nothing, you act like nothing. And you don't think you can do nothing. You've been conditioned to think that you can't do anything unless somebody approve you. It's not authentic until the power structure says it's good. That's why certain elements in society don't care much for me. Because I'm not waiting on their approval. Because what has happened through my life is because I believe the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I believe him. And I believe him for every one of you. And so until I see more Aaron Burskins in here, I use him, I use him not for any accolades or anything, but I've been around the world. And I've been on some of the most powerful platforms in this country to preach or teach. And I've never met a white man. 
You, you name them, I've been with them. I'm talking about behind the curtain. I never met a white man. Because as black folk, we know. We have to know to survive. We have to discern whether you're the real deal or something else so we'll know how to function in your presence. But just because we smile and say amen and say yes, it does not mean that we don't know who you are. We have to know who you are for survival's sake. I've been around the world. I know some of the most powerful preachers on this planet. I never met a white man. I've been pastoring Harvest Church for 30 some years. And I've told them to their face on many occasions that they've given me hope. Because I've never met a white Christian man in my life like Aaron Burskin. Never met. I've been pastoring 30-some years, and I'm not against anybody. I'm just trying to get you to understand why some things exist the way they exist. It's because the westernization and the Americanization of Scripture has, has made this such a racial skin color thing. I've never met anybody like him. He's the only man that has ever had children since I've been the pastor of this church. And I think I've been the pastor since it started. I've seen white people come, but when their children get of dating age, every one of them would pull them out. He's the only man since I've been a pastor that never pulled his children out when his son and daughter got of dating age. And I asked myself, I said, how come he didn't pull them out? And it's in my heart. It said, because he didn't care. He didn't care if his son or daughter married a black, white, brown, or yellow, just as long as they loved God. So they were not afraid of their daughter getting eyes for one of my sons or my sons getting eyes for their daughter or their sons getting eyes for one of your daughters or your daughters getting eyes for their son. They just didn't care. And I told he and his wife on a number of occasions just who you all are has given me hope that perhaps in my lifetime, in my lifetime, we will be able to eradicate racism in the church in America. To where no longer we have to go to them for diversity. If diversity only means me going to you, then it's not diversity at all. Because if there's a bridge built, then the bridge works both ways. And so I'm not hopeful because black folk go to a church with a white pastor. 
We've been doing that since elementary school. But when I start seeing white, because I don't know anywhere where it happens in America. Coming to a church with black leadership, then I will say, Minister Clayton, we're starting to turn the corner. And it's not going to happen. And in the American church, my white pastors, not one of them today, has spoken against this demonic force in the way that it should be addressed. Because whenever they talk and they come to me sometimes, brother, we need to get together. <laughs> but I know, because we know. I know when they say us getting together, it's only us getting together with you in charge. <laughs> so why don't you close your doors, come join me, be my associate pastor. And teach your people when you bring them that they don't leave. Because the way we conduct service is more like the day of Pentecost than the way you conduct service. And just like you changed our minds, let the word of God change your mind. Are you all listening to me? Let me introduce you to my culture. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't change culture. The Holy Spirit makes us one in Christ, not one in culture. But the Americanized way of teaching the gospel is that we now have to embrace Jesus, but we have to embrace your culture. And your culture is not my culture. And Jesus didn't come to change our culture. He's the one who made all the different cultures. I call it culture. You call it racist. But in the Bible, there's no such thing as a black race, a white race, a brown race, or a yellow race. It's just a human race. What you're really saying when you say culture, you're really talking, I mean race, you're talking about culture. And you're saying, for me to be a real Christian, I have to act like your culture. And that's not Bible. That I have to start talking through my nose. That I have to start throwing my hair that I don't have. that I have to start laughing at things that are not funny to me so that I can win your approval. To be acceptable in your circle, I have to tap dance. I have to act like you so you'll be comfortable with me in your group. And to stay strong in your group, I have to treat my people like I don't have nothing to do with them.
<laughs> and so until these things are addressed, and the only way we're going to get there, I finally got the answer after all of these years, is the only way we're going to get there is going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to have to be a continuation of an encounter with the Spirit of God that will detox us from this poison of westernized Christianity so that we can discover who we really are in Christ Jesus and start operating in the power of God. Put your hands together and thank God. I'm done. Harvest Church, to the members, I want to thank you for allowing me all of these years because I know I don't have many left, but I do plan to make the few that I have left. I really want to make it count. And to make it count is to enlighten you with the word of God as to who you really are in Christ Jesus and to teach you so that you'll know you don't need validation from anybody but God. But God. And the money that your forefather and foremother worked, slaved and built this country and did not get paid that's why the wealthy in this nation are as wealthy as they are. They had free labor. Are you all listening to me? And if you will make a commitment to remove yourself from ignorance and put up your iPhone and put up your iPad for several hours a day and read. Read your history. Read where you came from in the Bible. Because what God done for an enslaved people who were enslaved for almost 400 years that he brought him out and he is no respecter person and if he brought them out he will bring you out no oh, no 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 don't clap yet cuz you're not out i can tell you when you're out when you're out, you'll have silver and gold. You won't be on welfare. There won't be a sick one or feeble one amongst you. Because when God brings you out, he don't just bring you out, but he pay you for everything you lost. When God brings you out, and if I can just get you colored folk, 
to stop looking toward white folk to being your deliverer and look toward Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. That if you will look toward the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he'll bring you out just like he brought the, 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 the Israelites out of Egypt. He'll bring you out of bondage of slavery and Jim Crow and modern day. He'll bring you out to where you'll start loving yourself and loving your brothers and sisters and loving the body of Christ at large. But first start loving you because you're worth loving. And I don't care what you've been through. I know my shoes are untied. I might kick them off. But God loves you. You are a powerful people. Powerful people. The whole world, what did I say? The whole world likes your style. Even whites come and, and gleam from how you sing and how you preach and go home and practice it and then take it to their people. The whole world likes your style. Only people who don't like it is you. They like the way you are. They like your lips. They like your hips and fingertips. They get surgery to get what you got. They get surgery to get what you hate. Because you don't know who you are because of the slave master picking all these hand-picked preachers to teach you to hate yourself and to wait till you get to heaven. I'm telling you today, stop waiting. Stop waiting. Start waiting. And stop being lazy. And stop procrastinating. Stop talking about what you're going to do and start doing something. Give God something to work with. Because your time is now. It's almost over. But before it's over, everybody gets a shot. This time is almost over. But before it's over, everybody gets a chance. Some of you need to hear what I'm saying. This is your season. This is your time. This is your opportunity. It's all around you. If you would just stop feeling sorry for yourself and stop waiting on somebody to come, you are the somebody. God's going to use you to do something supernatural, not just for you, but for your family. Can you grab a hold of that?
Father, I thank you. I end with the song that they started. That strongholds, what did you say it was? They're coming down. I pray today, God, that the strongholds have been set up in our minds over years and years of erroneous teaching. God, I come against those erroneous thoughts and teachings and we cast it down. Holy Spirit, help us to see who we really are in Christ Jesus. Help us to see how powerful we are that we might go out and do exploits for the kingdom of God. I thank you for it and I praise you for it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Minister Kabuya, would you come and just uh, with your chief shirt on and uh, just do the altar call or whatever. I just want to change gears. Uh, just, just give me a second. I'm trying to change gears. Were you blessed today at all? I know I said some strong things. I know I said some things that perhaps some of you have never heard before. But we've got to get this thing right. We've got to get things in apostolic order. Because God is a God of order. He's not the author of confusion. And uh, we have to begin to embrace God's order in Ephesians 4.11. And when we do that and set those offices in their proper places and perspective, we're going to see a maturity come to the body of Christ. To the body of Christ. To the body of Christ. There's revival happening around the world. It's not happening so much in America because America has to be healed of her disease. America is sick. America is sick. And there's no hope for America until the American church get healed. And when the American church gets healed, then we'll be able to affect what's outside of the church. The, the world has no real reason to want to change if they see the same battles with us as they see with themselves. I pray God, before I die, I'd like to see a real move of the Spirit of God in our country. I do know that when it happens, it's going to include everybody. Most of the moves we've called moves of the Spirit in America, they were not really moves of God at all because they only included one segment of our society. And by and large, all they did was either sing or they sat around and prayed 24 hours a day. I know I'm stepping on some toes. Just come together and praying. But praying and no action... It's, it's nothing. If the praying doesn't bring restoration and reconciliation, then what are we praying about? Or singing a song until we get in a frenzy and call that a move of the Spirit. But how can it be a move of the Spirit when it never moves your heart? Your thoughts of me are wrong before you started singing. 
and your thoughts of me are still wrong after you get finished singing. And I believe there's a move of God that's coming to America, but it's not going to come like you think. It's not going to be initiated with who you think. Because these walls of sickness in our nation have to come down or there's no hope for America. Are you all listening to me? Can't say it like I feel it because some of you can't stand it. Mm -hmm. But I want to see it. I want to see white folks come to Harvest Church and black folks reach out and love them and white folks reach out and love you. I want to see it. And I want to see them get with our music like we had to get with theirs. That they hang around long enough to know how we dance because we had to learn how to do their charismatic hop. And a move of the Holy Ghost is not how many chairs you break. A move, a real move of the Holy Spirit will change our hearts toward one another and cause us to love people that we hated yesterday. Really love them. Really love them. I want the Holy Ghost to do something in me where I really do love my people that are really my enemy. And I want the Word of God and the Spirit of God to so wash my mind that I get delivered from the era in which I was born in. which makes it sometimes difficult for me because I grew up in a time in America where racism was real strong, a lot of rioting, a lot of racial uh, uh, tension. I, I came in the 60s, in the 70s, where Marvin Gaye was talking about what's going on. I grew up in an era of black power, in the Black Panthers. I grew up in an era where I read a lot about Angela Davis and George Jackson. And Stokely and Malcolm. And I'm so hopeful for this next generation of my son and our kids. Because it's clear they don't have to overcome some of the hangups that we've had to overcome. And some of the things that I had to overcome, it's not what I read in a book, it's what I experienced from people who said they love Jesus. And what you've experienced makes a great impact on what you believe. And the only thing that can happen to deliver us is the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. 
click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.